Am I on? <laughs> I think so. Good morning to all of you, and ooh, I'm really on. <laughs> um, I'm so pleased that we can be back. We were here about a year ago and shared with you, and uh, I hope that today. My prayer is that our time together will be uplifting and encouraging and reach out to help you in any way that you might have difficulties or things you're encountering in your daily lives. Uh, as I understand, Pastor Dave is going through a series on wisdom. And I want to bring to you some thoughts on wisdom this morning, probably from some totally different kinds of passages than he might be using. Uh, one of the keys, I think, as God's people, one of the real keys in terms of wisdom is to be in the book of wisdom. And it's important to read it daily. I don't know if uh, uh, you've ever heard this or not, but there was a couple that invited the pastor home for dinner one Sunday. And... Uh, they didn't do this very often. They invited him home. They had a nice dinner together. And and then he left. And after he left, the wife was really kind of upset. She said, I think the pastor took my spoon. I think he took his spoon with him. And this just aggravated her. Boy, I mean, she, just, and she couldn't let it go. And it went on and on. I mean, it seemed like all through the year she kept talking about, I think the pastor took my spoon. And so about a year later, they have the pastor back again for Sunday dinner. And uh, she, the husband didn't want her to say anything, but she couldn't resist. She said, Pastor, you were here a year ago, and I think you took my spoon. And he said, no, he said, I put it in your Bible. Uh, I want to start out, we're going to start out a little bit uh, with a passage uh, in 1 Corinthians, but I encourage you to write down some scriptures, or maybe you have a keypad or something else, uh, your, your pads or whatever you, you do. Uh, these are some scriptures I'd like you to remember, and maybe through the week, look at them. Uh, one passage is in Acts. Uh, three passages are in 1 Corinthians and one is in Philippians. We're not going to read all those today, but they all follow the same theme. The first one is Acts 17 through 18.1. Acts 17 through 18.1. The second one is 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 4. The third one is 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 6. And then 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7. And Philippians 2, 5 through 11. I was going to share some of my life journey with you this morning and probably will still share a bit of it. I want to focus instead mostly on the Apostle Paul's journey of faith. Specifically an event in the life of the Apostle which I believe was perhaps 
the most significant step in his walk of faith. I'm sure that you might begin thinking of his dramatic conversion on the Damascus Road when his life and his thinking totally changed direction from wanting to kill Christians to being a believer and sharing the gospel. But the event I want to share this morning is usually missed. But one that in our lives is necessary and leads us to that place of godly wisdom. And I will say if that step is missed and not taken, we will not arrive at a place of wisdom or a place where God wants us to be in our daily lives. My journey of faith uh, began in Delaware, Ohio. I was the son of godly parents who both went forward in their respective Wesleyan Methodist churches. My father only finished the 10th grade in school. He quit to work. Uh, and help his father support a family of six because his father was ailing. And he continued to work all the days of his life, actually becoming uh, a carpenter, a plumber, an electrician, and mechanic, uh, and excellent in all of those areas. However, he was in the scriptures, and he began to use the Bible and magic and Haley's handbook. Some of you may remember that. Uh, and uh, he used that to teach children, young boys, some of them right off the streets, from, from very difficult backgrounds, and he began to teach them the Word of God. I was a pretty active young boy, but I think spiritually, in some ways, as dumb as a brick, God decided to place me in bed for two years. When I was eight and nine years old, I developed rheumatic fever, didn't have the drugs and things at that time they have now, but I was in bed for two years, my feet did not touch the floor for two years. Well, about all I could do was read. My mother often read to me from a children's Bible, but in bed my reading advanced quickly and I read the Bible through before I was ten. Reading a Bible, meditation, lead Gospel of John, I put my name into the whosoever of John 3.16 and I took my first step of faith on my spiritual journey. Now Paul, or Saul, he grew up reading, knowing the scripture, but not the Lord. He was steeped in Phariseeism, which in essence teaches that memorizing scripture is salvation. He was raised in Tarsus, a northern city which is now in Turkey, a place of what we would call today a, sort of a university city. He was born a citizen of Rome and even though born to Jewish, even though he was born to Jewish parents. In his missionary travels, Paul came to Athens, a great city, to wait for his companions Silas and Timothy. He was extremely upset over all the idols. Uh, it's a very idolatrous place. In a moment, we're going to talk about this place. It was, he went there, and as he began to talk with some of the philosophers and things on the streets, they invited him out to Mars Hill. Mars Hill can be seen, or the area of Pegasus, as it's also called, 
can be seen looking down from the Parthenon, the large Acropolis in Athens, Greece, that I'm sure most of you have seen. Uh, he was invited there to debate and talk with him. Paul was not out of his element. These were the philosophers and teachers of the world. But he was probably as knowledgeable in all the prevalent philosophies as he was in Jewish teachings. Tarsus rivaled and probably exceeded the schools of Athens and Alexandria in his day. I'm sure that for Paul, he'd gone through that incredible dramatic experience of uh, conversion. He was now going forth with that same enthusiasm and, and to serve the Lord. And I'm sure his juices were flowing when he was invited to this council, the most learned of the world's philosophers, who would gather on this rocky outcropping to debate, talk about religions. Well, he was waxing eloquent there until he spoke of the bodily resurrection. We find that in that Acts 17 passage. And at this, the philosophers cut him off. They said they would hear him again another day. You know, I'm sure some of you have gone for uh, a uh, interview for a job, and you feel that it went well, and then they said, "Well, we we will uh, we'll we'll call you, we'll talk to you again," which simply means <laughs> that's it, it's over. I'm sure some of you have had that experience. I know I have. Even though it tells us some believed, I think Paul felt defeated at this particular junction in his life. I believe he began to recognize there was more Paul in the witnessing than Christ. After this experience, Paul left and went to Corinth. We don't think of Paul failing. You know, we think of Paul as, here's the super uh, disciple, the super apostle. Why, why he established churches and went on mission trips. And we, he, he survived uh, many physical things. And we don't think of Paul as failing. But right after this experience, Paul left and went to Corinth. Now in Paul's day, Corinth was the largest population in Greece. It was with Greeks, Jews, and Romans. Corinth had the temple of Aphrodite. This was a glorified religious prostitution. Over a thousand temple slaves. The ship's captains freely squandered their money there. Sounds like today's navies entering ports around the world. In his later letter to the Corinthian church that he established, he went there for about a year and a half. Very successful ministry. Something took place in Paul's life. And churches began to grow and prosper. And we find out what happened. He said later, he's writing back to the Corinthian church. And we turn, if you want to turn with me in your Bibles, to 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 4. 
1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 4. Paul left Athens, a place where he was comfortable. He knew the philosophies. He knew how to challenge these individuals. And oh, he was excited. But he left there discouraged. And notice what he says in chapter 2, verse 1. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I received, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. You see, what happened to Paul after he left Athens, Paul experienced crucifixion. We can come to that place where we have committed our lives to Jesus Christ. We trusted in him. But oh, there's a work to do in our lives. We're like little babies that need to grow. And so often, we want to continue to go forth in our own strength, in our own power. Rather than allow the Spirit of God to come in, literally to crucify this old self. And that we can go forth in the Spirit and power of God who changes our life. That's what happened in Paul's life. And he, be, he was the most incredible church planter, especially after that time. And he could say in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We need to come to that place. I'll share with you really a time in my journey when I had that crucifixion. Great Christian home and uh, went through high school. Went off to Cedarville College in Ohio. Went there for a year, then came home, and that summer, working with a buddy of mine, we decided to go out and join the Navy. Joined the Reserves, Columbus, Ohio. Came home that day, that, that evening. <laughs> I can't remember exactly how my folks took it, but I sat down at the table for dinner, and I said, well, Mom and Dad, by the way, I joined the Navy. Uh, well, I went back to college then for my sophomore year. And I was in the reserves. I uh, went back, was excited. I met the girl that I fell in, a girl that I fell in love with. I was so excited. Looks like everything was going the right direction. And then 
I was actually at her home on Christmas Day, and I had to go back home because I was supposed to have a reserve meeting. I went back, and there was a letter waiting for me from the Navy. I said, we want you, boy. <laughs> Instead of going into the Navy full-time after I finished college, I had to now go after a year and a half of school. So, my life changed course. A lot of details I could give you, but I met my ship in Mayport, Florida, the Essex. And we were heading out on our first cruise for, for the Mediterranean. I was given an incredible position as an air controlman up in the tower, the control tower, primary fly, where I could see everything was going on. But going across the Atlantic, we weren't flying planes, we were heading for our destination. I had a Bible up there, laying on a little desk that was mine. And at night sometimes I would go up there and I would pace back and forth, angry at God. Actually, sometimes almost shouting. You put me here, you know. <laughs> I'm away from school. I've been separated from the girl. And I was angry at God. Well, somehow God finally got a hold of me. And I sat down at the desk, and I opened my Bible, and it opened to Psalm 37, 23, and 24. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I remember crying that night. But God got a hold of me and said, you can serve him. Serve him right there. And so the rest of the time of being in the Navy, I was able to reach out to 20, 25, 30 men. We had a very liberal chaplain. And we had, when we weren't flying, as many as 20 fellows up in the tower studying the word, sharing faith. From every background, from Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, I'm still in communication with Charles Sharp, a dear, a Catholic brother down in Florida who definitely knows the Lord. I had to put John Ingram aside. I had to allow God to crucify me. So that I could go forth in his strength and his power. And I don't have time this morning to tell you, but there were so many times overseas in foreign ports when I was kept from something. Kept from a difficult circumstance or something that would have been very sinful. And I didn't know how. And then I began to realize God was keeping me. I was in his power, not trying to do it in my strength. And long story short, God brought me home and led me to a beautiful young lady that we've spent 55 years together.
Paul knew the secret of true wisdom, death to self, crucifixion so that Christ can live in us and focus on his wisdom. Paul in 2 Corinthians, pardon me, 3, 1 through 6 says, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the results of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have, hear these words, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competency comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7, he says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And I love these verses, because it so speaks to our human circumstance. And God's divine power. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That is the secret of wisdom. We may not know all things. God knows all things. We may make mistakes, we may stumble, and we may fall. But the real secret of wisdom is that time to allow ourselves to be crucified and to allow Jesus Christ, to allow His Spirit to dwell in us and work through us. Not hinder it, but work through us. As the people of God, as Mount Haley, as other churches, as the people of God come to a place of recognition that we must be crucified, that we must allow God's spirit to work through us, we will begin to see revival again in this country and in this world. We will begin to see that the power is not something we can do or the way we do it or the way we perform a service. But it's that power of God working through us in whatever form it takes. Many different ways of worship. But the important thing is that it's Jesus Christ working through us to reach out to this sin-sick, lost world. Thank you. May God add his blessings to the word of God. And I thank you that I could share this with you this morning. Thank you.